1: NBI Studios. This is Truth and Justice, a crowdsourced investigation in real time. I'm Bob Ruff. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Truth and Justice. This is your Friday follow up episode for season nine, episode 12. This week, we had Haley and Tanu on from the Orange Tree podcast, and we were discussing the murder of Jennifer Cave. Uh, super interesting case. Their podcast was fantastic, and uh, it's a case that in in some levels is pretty obvious what happened. and other ways, you look at it, maybe not so much. Uh, we've got a lot of questions from you. This is the first time we've been back in the studio altogether in about three weeks. I'm here with Zach and Mike. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. And after a short break, we'll get right into your questions.
2: All right, our first question comes from Ari. After listening to the podcast yourself, what do you think happened? Do you think the sentences of each of the convicted were fair and just? Uh, to answer the second part of that question, I do think the sentences
1: were 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 just and were fitting. I also think that it is, I don't know if karma is the word for it, but I kind of love the fact that Laura was sentenced to five years and appealed her sentence and got it overturned and then went back in for retrial and resentencing and ended up with 10 years. Because I don't think five years was enough. That's
0: pretty unheard of, right? Yeah. For something like that to happen.
1: Yeah. Most of the time you would think a lawyer wouldn't work to try to overturn something if they already got kind of a pretty sweet deal mm-hmm. and there's a good chance they're going to get
0: convicted again. Yeah, that's crazy to me that that, that she got the appeal. Right but then got a worse sentence. I mean, that, that just double. Seems, yeah. A double the sentence. Right. That's and and, and part
1: of that was, is, is, well, you heard, I don't know if you got that far on the podcast, but you heard her attorney uh, on the orange tree saying that, that Laura's worst enemy was Laura mm-hmm. because during those times she had done and said some horrible shit. You know, the, for example, like they have taped interviews of her or taped phone calls from prison where she was talking about Jennifer cave's mother you know, mm-hmm. saying she was, you know, she was a moron. She was stupid. She was, I think she was threatening to kill the judge. I mean, and all that stuff, you know, played in at the second trial.
0: Doesn't look good for her.
1: Yeah. Now, as far as what we think happened, uh, I'll start with you, Zach. What do you think happened that night?
0: From your episode with the girls and from listening to what I have listened to, I haven't made it all the way through. But listening to what I have listened to at the Orange Tree, I mean, I don't know who shot her. But I, I definitely feel like both of them were very involved in this murder. Okay. I just have a hard time not believing that, that it was an accident, like a complete accident whatsoever. You know what I mean, it's uh-huh. just the dismemberment, you know, when it, when it comes to trying to conceal the body, really pushes it for me. Like if it was an accident, I just don't feel like that's the next step. Right. Like if it's an accident, you you know, you try, obviously you're trying to protect yourself, but I don't feel like dismembering the body and trying to that's get of That's a pretty of
1: big it, leap. That is huge. For a try, you, for body concealment, mm-hmm. if if that's what's happening. Do you think that, from what you've heard, I think you said you've listened to all but like the last two episodes mm-hmm. of The Orange Tree. Do you think that Colton is the one that killed her? Or do you think Laura might have been there that night or been
0: involved in that? I, I very well think Colton could have killed her. Everything that I've heard about Colton, he he doesn't seem like a super stable person, especially at that time period. Right. He, there was some aggressive things that were happening that night. I and mean, when they talked about him trying to break out a car window and then he was urinating on the car. Uh-huh. He was upset because he lost his cell phone and he was, he, you know, I mean, there was a lot of things. There was a lot of aggression that night. Right. That maybe he, maybe he did discharge the firearm into her on accident, but I don't feel like it was, you know what I mean? Like he was discharging that firearm to be aggressive or
1: authoritative. That maybe didn't mean to kill her, but meant to fire the gun.
0: Yeah. I don't know. It's hard for me, but I I definitely feel like he, he probably did it.
1: And then Laura came later the next day. Mm -hmm. I honestly, well, let me ask you this. Do you believe that he doesn't know what happened?
0: No, I honestly don't believe that he doesn't know what happened. So you think he absolutely does know what happened. I, I cannot say that he, that he didn't have some, some blackouts or something, but I just felt like it was too much to like, oh, I don't know what happened. No, he just, you know, she just showed up at my door and, oh, I just found her in the bathtub. And, mm-hmm. but then we dismembered her, you know, and like he went to the store to buy the stuff to dismember her, right? And then stopped at Burger King to get food on the way home, right? You know, that seems pretty cold and calculated to me, right? And I wonder how much drug use was still going on in the morning, too. I,
1: so, so my answer to the question is, I, I don't know. I think most likely it was Colton that killed her. I think there is a distinct possibility that it was actually Laura that that was the one that killed him. I do believe, regardless of what happened, whether it was Colton or Laura, I personally do believe that Colton doesn't know what happened. Okay. Uh now that doesn't mean he didn't kill her, but I think that his I think that he genuinely was blacked out or you know was was so high whatever to the point where his brain was not recording memories anymore, and you know during the time, so there's nothing there to recall but I think and and part of that is you know the the text messages with Laura that morning mm-hmm. you know it's you know what we see in the text records, which I haven't seen the text records, I've only heard uh what they are, and then his story that kind of lines up with it is that you know where you see him, he. He texts Laura and says, "Hey, come on over." Mm-hmm. And then is like, "Oh shit, don't come over." You know, to to me, to me, that's consistent with him like getting up like a normal morning, not remembering what happened, texting his girlfriend or whatever Laura was to him, mm-hmm. and then discovering the body there and going, "Oh shit, don't come over." And I, I, I think that, I think that he that he genuinely doesn't know what happened, and that he genuinely at least that morning and up to the time of trial. That he genuinely believes that he killed her, but does and, and there was something. And I think it was his lawyer, you know, suggesting that he do this. But I think there's something to be said about the fact that he does take responsibility for that on the stand. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's definitely some remorse there, unless that's just complete lawyer coaching. But you know, when you know he he gets on the stand, and they said, "Did you kill her?" And he says, "Yes." And lawyers it says, "Well, how do you know?" And he doesn't make up and say, "Well, this is what happened." You know what I mean? He doesn't make an excuse like it was an accident. Mm-hmm. He just says it had to have been me. Who else could it have been? I was the only one there. Yeah. I can't. I think. I think the way what he, the way he put it was that I can't. I, I I I refuse to believe that I intentionally killed her. But it had to have been me who did it. And I personally, I believe. I don't think that makes him a good guy or it makes him innocent because, as you said, the body concealment stuff
0: afterwards mm-hmm. is despicable enough. By itself. Yeah. I just have a hard time believing that he hadn't. I-, I cannot believe that he had nothing to do with it. Being that she was in his apartment. Even if right. even if Laura is the one that pulled the trigger. Mm-hmm. She's, you know, I mean, it, it, there's just too much there that he had nothing to do with. Well, it. and that's another possibility, too, that
1: if we believe that Colton doesn't remember what happened, mm-hmm. whatever happened, it's still possible that Laura was there. There was an argument. And Laura shot Jennifer in front of Colton. he saw it happen. And then got up in the morning and didn't remember what happened. I mean, that you're right that that's possible too. That they, but either way, he was well one way or another. We know that he was there when it happened. Mm-hmm. Whether he was passed out or not is because that's really the only question, right? Was was he conscious awake when she was killed, or was he passed out when somebody else killed her? Because I don't, I, I, yeah, I guess that's only. I say I I don't think that he would have just seen someone that he didn't know, mm-hmm. some random third party come in and kill her. And be like, oh, I'm just going to bed. You know, I think he would have, even in his drunken high state, probably would have called 911 right then or run out looking for help.
0: Well, and you you bring that fact up the the random third party, whoever, whether it's people or one person, why would they be there and why would they go and do that?
1: Yeah, that I yeah, I 100% do not believe it was anybody other than Colton and
2: or Laura. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of the one of the two of them or both. Sarah says, if drugs were involved, does Colton actually need a motive for the murder?
1: That's a good question because uh, I, I think I think if I remember correctly um, in the podcast, in the interview with Haley and Tenue, uh I said, you know, you, you could see a motive with Laura. You can't necessarily see one with Colton. and But that is a good point, that if there's drugs involved and he's that high and angry, as, as Zach was saying, you know, I guess there doesn't need to be a motive. it could have just and and I think you you may have hit it on the head where it might have been you know firing the gun just or some kind of bravado showing off or for some other reason and killed her maybe it was kind of accidental. I guess the the point I was looking at is or that I was getting at there was I can if you're looking through you know the people involved, the one person that you could see that that absolutely would have motive would be Laura. Laura was, and we learned a lot more about Laura through her, her tapes from her, her phone calls from jail and what other inmates have said that she said over the years that, you know, she's sober. She's pretty unstable and violent and, and, and was jealous of Jennifer and, and that he was with, he said he was with Jennifer that night. I guess I could see her getting pissed off and coming and doing it. And then, you know, and, and then when we get into, I think some of her crazy shines through in the body concealment.
2: Purchase new wiper
0: blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts.
1: Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.
0: You know, the other thing about motive, too. Is is maybe not necessarily a complete motive, but if he was intoxicated, if he was high, whatever, there is a story about when they were at the club earlier that night that he was hitting on a girl and the girl was kind of reciprocating. huh. And then when he went to the bathroom, that the Jennifer Caves told the girl that he's crazy. Don't mess with this guy. He's crazy. Right. So what if he came back and found that out? Sure. You know, now he's mad that mm-hmm. you just messed up this booty call I could have had. Right.
1: Or maybe he makes a move on her and she doesn't you're crazy mm-hmm. yeah there's a lot of things that could have set him off mm-hmm. the the dismembering of her body is a thing that really really so looking at either side of this right so looking through Colton's eyes so whether Colton's innocent or guilty he wakes up in the morning and his friend is shot dead in his bathtub and he's the only one home so this just for the for sake of this hypothetically he genuinely doesn't remember what happened so he gets up doesn't know what happened she's there shot in the bed He remembers coming home with her and no one else is in the apartment. He obviously, whether he did or not, is sure that he had killed her. Wanting to then conceal the body and run, now conceal the body, not dismember the body and run, makes sense to me. You know, know, because there are people who say that they go, why wouldn't he, you know, call the police or just hide? Like, oh shit, like there's no way I'm not going to prison for the rest of my life. You know, this guy's just an asshole and worried about self preservation. But dismembering the body is a whole nother
0: thing. Yeah, I mean, you could definitely see somebody, you know, trying to dispose, put the body in the trunk, drive it out in the woods, dump it, as you see in a lot of cases. Right. Trying to get distance themselves from that body as quickly as possible. Right. But if I understand it right, the idea
1: to dismember her body didn't come in until after Laura gets there.
0: That is the narrative of it. Right. And I don't remember, was it his handwriting on the list? They, He says that it was her handwriting on the list uh-huh. that he that she wrote out the list and gave it to him to go to the store to get this stuff. Right. So she comes in one way.
1: What we do know is she shows up and then they decide let's chop her body up. Mm-hmm. And that's the part that is like that's bananas. Like it, 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 like go get stuff to chop her body up to me indicates somebody had thought this through. Like, how can we get rid of the body already? You don't just look at it. And then as far as the reaction goes, so, right, Colton wakes up in his apartment, dead friend. Oh, shit, I need to hide the body and run. Makes sense. Laura, if she's completely innocent and doesn't know about the murder, shows up. Oh, my God, you killed your friend. And says, well, let's chop the body up and go to Mexico. Like, that that's the only reason that I lean towards the fact that Laura, I think, at least was probably there. And I'm just and just spitballing, but it was there when the murder happened, because like that reaction doesn't make sense. No, you're right at all. Colton, right. whether Colton did it or didn't, what he did as far as wanting to conceal the body and run away makes sense for Laura. All she had to do was like, "What the hell's wrong with you? Call the police, run away, whatever." But just as like, well, let's not only let's let's get rid of it, but let's chop the body up. You know, whether, and we can't say that that was her idea or his idea. I personally believe that probably came from her, uh, the idea to do that. And it also tells me that, like, maybe when she got there, she had already thought, had already been,
0: had already thought through what to do. There is a lot of strangeness with this, too, because you obviously can't say what you would do in the situation or what right. somebody would do in the situation. But it seems like once they got to the step of trying to dismember it, why wouldn't they complete the task? Why would they, they left to go eat? Right. At least that's that's the story, is they left to go eat, and that's when they received the phone call that the police were coming, and that's when they decided to leave.
1: See, yeah, that's the narrative. I don't know. To me, not getting through it, mm-hmm. it makes sense to me. I, I think probably what happened was they had this idea. They've seen it on TV. Let's chop the body up and put it in bags and get out of here, and then they realize what a task it was and how gruesome and how messy it was, and after— you know, they got that far with it. They're like, screw this. Like, we're not going to, you know, after after chopping the head off and realizing what that takes to do that, I think they just bailed on the idea because it was way more work, way more gruesome. I think one of them at least was like, let's just get the hell out of here.
0: It still seems like they would try to dispose of it, in in my opinion. But, again, you don't know what people would do. Right. But-
1: well, and that's why I think that is because they didn't dispose of it. Right. So, like, that, I, I feel like that was the idea. And it could just be that they knew the police were going to look for them, so they needed to go. But the fact that they started and just left the body there and went to Mexico was like, you know, probably the original plan was we can chop her up and move, you know, put her in a bathtub, chop her up, get rid of the body, clean all this up and just keep living our lives and be like, I don't know what happened to her. When they realized, one, what a mess it was and how hard it was and how long it was going to take that they're like, OK, concealing the body is not going to be an option. So let's just run instead. I don't think the plan was to conceal the body and then run. I think it was to conceal the body, and that didn't work until so they ran. Or it could be it was they ran out of time and okay. had to run. Just, just, just my opinion with it. But that's the the whole thing with to, to me is is I just don't. I mean, even even the the way the text played out between Laura and and Colton, where he tells her to come over, then he's like insisting, like, no, do not come over, do not come over and she's insisting on coming over while he's telling her not to come over, I just think there's a possibility that she already knew what had happened. Whether she did it or not, I don't know, but I feel like she, she knew that it had happened.
2: Rachel says, can you dive a little deeper into why people say Pitaniac didn't kill Cave, or give a 30-second summary on this? After listening to your interview of the Orange Tree Podcasters, I still don't feel like I have a good sense of this case or why he didn't do the crime. It seems pretty cut and dry. All right, Bob, and I know we've probably covered most of this, but this next question kind of goes along with that. Maria says, I went and listened to this episode and the entire Orange Tree podcast, and I still can't see how anyone other than Pitaniak killed her. Can you let us know why there is doubt? Didn't the person in the next condo hear the gunshots? I'm just surprised there's so many questions.
1: I don't, I don't think the person in the next condo heard the gunshot. Zach, we were talking about this earlier, wasn't it? You've listened to it more recently than me.
0: So from the way I understand, I, I don't, unless it's comes up in the, something that I haven't heard, it sounded like he went and talked to his neighbor or the neighbor was a friend. And he said that he had gotten into an, an argument with some, some Mexican guys. Right. And that there was a gunfire exchange and asked if she heard it. And that's when she said that she hadn't heard it. And, but that's yeah. all, that's all that I remember hearing. About I remember that. that
1: conversation. And if you're right about it, actually now that's ringing a bell. And really, if that's the case, that's pretty, that looks pretty guilty. For Colton, you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, did you hear those gunshots? Trying to decide if I've got to, yeah, get the hell out of dodge. I still don't think that that eliminates the possibility that he didn't remember the next morning. I also don't think it eliminates the possibility that Laura was there and maybe Laura's one that pulled the trigger. You know, I mean, I th- I, th- I think that it shows at that moment in time, if that's the way it went down, that he, you know, he he was he was assessing the situation and trying to decide what to do. And I think that he could have, you know, once he blacked out and got up the next day didn't remember any of that happening i think that's possible as far as you know how it could have not been him
0: again probably i want to make sure i'm clear on this i think probably colton's one that killed her well you know honestly after i i kind of digested it and went back through I don't think that the girls are necessarily saying that he didn't do it I don't think this podcast oh, they're was, not at all no well I, I think that's exactly it but I think people are not understanding that they're, yeah that they didn't present this as a wrongful conviction case right which is what a lot of truth and justice is and I think maybe that's where listeners are getting a little confused
1: that's a good point is yeah. that
0: this wasn't presented as wrong they were telling this bizarre story right to get it out there
1: yeah they, they were coming from a journalistic neutral to an extent neutral standpoint you know they said you know they were obviously got some emotionally connected to the case. Which is hard not to do, but yeah, the the purpose of the orange tree, they were just telling this story, and there is a lot of ambiguity in there. They're, they're not saying he was wrongfully convicted; they're just saying it's interesting. There's a possibility that he was wrongfully convicted, and it, it, it maybe maybe not wrongfully convicted, but maybe wrongly convicted. Meaning, he's definitely still guilty of some things, whether Ooh. he was the one to pull the trigger or not. But maybe he wasn't the one that actually pulled the trigger. And you know, and you have with with Laura. I th- And I, I have to go back and listen for the details, but, you know, originally she had an alibi, right? They said that she was with, and I think this is towards the end maybe where you hadn't got to it yet, but she was with her friends, stayed the night there or whatever. And they're like, well, she was there all night. She couldn't have done it. But then as they, as they, the defense attorneys looked into it further, they found out that that's not true, that her alibi wasn't solid at all, that she, I, and I don't remember the details, whether like those guys were asleep and they don't know for sure if she was there or. Something was fishy about her alibi that it's definitely not rock solid as far as where she was at. And then part of, you know, what came up with in Colton's post-conviction appeal were, were very clear Brady violations where the, you know, the prosecution had evidence that she had literally confessed to multiple people in jail that she was the one that killed her and they withheld that from the defense. But again, it didn't, as we talked about on the show, it's one interesting part about our legal system. You know they're saying, well, okay, here's the the prosecutors clearly cheated and and violated the rules and didn't share with the defense the fact that another person has confessed to this crime and they knew about it, but it didn't matter to overturn it because the judge said it wasn't material because he said he did it on the stand, which I mean, and, and whether he he's innocent or guilty, his his lawyer fucked him bad, like that by having him testify, and I know that was the lawyer's strategy, maybe. You know, maybe that was all Colton. He just wanted to do it. And I guess hats off to him if it was, if he was just up there on his own taking responsibility. But to have your client get on the stand and admit to killing someone essentially eliminates all possibility of appeal. Because anything that comes up, any Brady violation, of effective sentence of counsel, any of those things, new exculpatory evidence, all of that is going to get balanced on the scales of justice with, would that be enough? to change the fact or to to sway the jury when he told the jury he did it. And so he's just, you know, whether he did it or not, he's, I don't think, there's nothing that can overturn his conviction.
0: But, you know, they use, uh, this is a little bit different time. I think this is before it. I can't remember the exact, I think this is like 2005. Uh But, I mean, you look at the Casey Anthony. That's what what her lawyer did. Right. And it worked for her. Right. Yeah, it wasn't exactly, though, because didn't she say that, well, she said it was an accident, then her, but she knew that she had died, and they they tried to hide it. To you know, there was a, there was a whole bunch right. there. But she also threw that onto her dad. She did throw it onto her dad, right? But they they pretty much showed her guilt. They said right. that like, yeah, we know she knows that this happened, uh huh. And they use that moving forward, yeah. So I'm, obviously, this is a different time period, but you know, I, it has been done, yeah. And I I think with hers, there was if you compare the
1: two, that strat- obviously that strategy worked in her case. But also, there was so much evidence against specifically her. You know, the cadaver dogs with the you know the body in her trunk, the fact that she lied for a month about where her daughter was. It was very obvious from the evidence that she knew what happened. You know, in this case, you see, sure, there's. I mean, what are you going to do? She's dead in his apartment. But you know, maybe it was the only the only defense. I wouldn't have put him on the stand at all. I mean what are you going to what are you going to accomplish by that yeah, by by putting him on the stand but you, know, you could at least say that you know if i don't know if he's lying or whatever but you know i your defense could be that it was actually Laura that did it or your defense could be that you know that that maybe there was a third party there there was other avenues of defense that could explain how she got killed in his apartment i don't think any of it would have worked but at least there'd be possibility for an appeal you know if if his if their defense was that Laura did this and he helped hide the body, which I don't know how you even make that defense without any memory of what happened. Uh, But let's say that's the defense. And then you find out there's a Brady violation that she had confessed. That conviction would have been overturned. But because of the way they played it, which, again, I'm not even saying it necessarily is a bad thing, because I think if I had to lay money on it probability-wise, I think probably Colton killed her. But I also think there's a possibility, there's something shady with Laura, there's obviously something shady with Laura, but I think there's more going on with her than she just showed up and said, well, hey, let me help you chop her body up and let's go to Mexico together. I think that she knew more or was, was even ultimately responsible. Possibly.
2: Christine says, I was wondering about the shot that killed Jennifer. Looking at where it hit her and the trajectory it took, does it seem like it was a purposeful shot or more like it was accidental? Additionally, to me, it seems like the fact that she was shot in the head after decapitation, if I remember correctly, indicates some major personal issue and rage towards her.
1: Yeah, uh, so two-part question. The first part, the shot placement, the one that killed her, went through her arm and then into her chest and heart. Does that indicate it was an accidental shooting? In my opinion, no. You have to remember that these crime scenes, when they're when they're going down, are dynamic. People are moving. If someone points a gun at your chest, a common reaction is to twist, turn, cover your chest with your arms. Um, so just because you you know if you lay somebody flat on a gurney and you show well, there's a the hole went through her arm and into her chest, it might not make sense. But if you imagine somebody actually cowering and flinching away from a shot, uh, it does make sense. So no, I don't think it was an. I think someone intentionally shot her in the chest. Uh, is my opinion on that. It wasn't just the gunshot to the severed head.
0: There was more to that also. The ME said that there was also stab wounds and cutting wounds to the face that were post-mortem. Right. And then they said that the head, that there was a, a shot fired into the head and from the the angle of it and everything, it looks like it was fired. I mean, this is, this is graphic and gross, but basically into the neck where they would have severed it. After her, head, which means it was, what gets me about that is so
1: that's the next day, like mm-hmm. during daylight, they're firing a shot off.
0: Seems strange. Yeah. But but that also seems like it's very personal. Yeah. That doesn't just seem like you would just do that as an accident. you know what I mean? Like, oh, this was an accident. Let's get rid of this body. If you're doing things to this body afterwards. right? It seems very personal. And that's the stuff that honestly makes me lean a little bit in the direction of Laura.
1: I mean, I mean. Yeah, as someone said, when drugs and alcohol are part of the of the situation, there doesn't need to be a motive. Anything could have set Colton off and had him, and he shot her. That's true. But the next day, when you have this dead body, for, for like I said, what do we know about Laura? We know she came, at the very least, came and found this girl dead, and then decides to either is the person planning, or at least decides to help. I mean, her DNA is on or on the materials used to chop her head off.
0: Yeah, even if it wasn't her idea, she helped. She helps dismember her.
1: So you already get a little bit of idea about where she's at mentally and, you know, maybe how she feels about Jennifer. And so then you see, post-mortem, after she's dead, someone's stabbing her in the face, which I can only assume was with some of the tools they used to decapitate her, which Laura's DNA are, are on. And then after her head is chopped off, firing a bullet into her her dead head through her neck like to me like all that stuff screams Laura to me mm-hmm. I, I can't see I can't understand why Colton would it doesn't make sense
0: to me that Colton would have done any of that I, I will stop you to correct one little thing because I, I know how people are it wasn't that their DNA was on the stuff it's that their DNA couldn't be excluded from the, right. the the implements so just just so that's aware they never, they weren't saying that like for sure this is their DNA right it was just that they cannot be excluded from the DNA found right yeah and that's and I don't know
1: how many alleles they found but that but that's also common terminology you know you can have a one in one trillion you know odds match for something and still the language the proper language not all DNA experts do this is that they can't be excluded okay and then you know so but I don't know what that number is if it was just like you know they only had half a profile and they can't be excluded whatever it was but I just like to be transparent in that part, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I don't know what you think, but in my opinion, like those things scream Laura. That screams she hated her. She was the one that was stabbing at her dead face and and firing bullets into her dead head.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I just, in of course, we don't know it could have been Colton, but that that to me shows that anger and rage and 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 sickness in Laura. Which is another thing that is makes like, me think, well, maybe it was her that pulled the trigger to begin with. Doesn't mean she was. It could have just been she's like, oh, good, you killed her. I can't. I hate her. Let's chop her up and get her out of here. But I, I don't know. I mean, do you see Colton being the one that's stabbing her in the face and shooting her in the neck?
0: It would be hard for me to come up with a story of, of him doing that or why he would be doing that. Right. So that's going to be it for questions, Bob. Do you have anything else? No, I think that will
1: conclude our discussions on this case, uh, just do want to give you guys a little bit of a heads up as to what we have coming. So uh, we have three episodes, three main episodes coming before uh, our Christmas. We're off the week of Christmas. So we have three episodes left for 2020. Uh, and I can give you a quick little breakdown of what those episodes are going to be. Uh, this Sunday, we have uh, the Tennessee private investigator and host of the Without Warning podcast, Miss Sheila wysaki on. Uh, to discuss the death of Laura Aggie. And then the following week, we have one of my all-time favorite podcasters, David Ridgen from the Someone Knows Something podcast on. And then our last episode of 2020 is going to be a discussion with the one and only Paul Holes talking about the Golden State Killer case. So that's what you guys have coming up in the next few weeks to to wrap out this year. Uh, and I know the next follow-up question is: So, when are we getting back to a our, our regularly scheduled program? As I'm sure you guys are aware, right now the records divisions are still not opened yet. Uh, we still can't get files. We are we are desperately trying uh, to get going. And I think that what we have tentatively decided to do, and I think this is what's going to happen, is February 1st or that first Sunday in February. Come hell or high water. We're gonna go ahead and launch into a season 10 case. Now, we'll talk about more of that as we get closer. We have the one that we were planning on doing. Not sure if that one's gonna shake out because we just there's there's certain things we need that we can't get. We've got a few other cases we're looking at uh, that where we maybe do have access where family members have access to some records. So you know, it may be a shorter season, maybe a little bit different format. But at the beginning of February on Truth and Justice, we are going to move into a season 10 case and get back to our normal operation of the deep dive. So I know a lot of people are asking, a lot of people like this format, but they're ready to get back to that one. So the plan is beginning of February, we are going to make that jump back into our typical truth and justice season in one fashion or another. And for those of you that are really liking this season, uh, and hopefully a lot of you are, because we have also made the decision that this format, um, Not sure if the title is going to be the case of I'm playing around with a couple other titles, but we will continue this format as a separate podcast that will be dropping on Wednesdays. So come February, this format will shift over to the new feed. Truth and Justice will shift into a new case and we're going to get back to normal 2021. where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. Thank you to our transcription team, Pamela Westby, Kathy McElaney, Charlena White, Kaywood Yomnik, Ginger Fiola, Edith Swanneck, Lindsay Pease, and Jen Reese Candela. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd like to support us, you can do so in a number of ways. To financially support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. On the Patreon page, you can pledge as little as $3 a month, and we also have reward levels. For just $5 per month, you get access to ad-free versions of all of our episodes and behind-the-scenes videos of the creation of our Friday follow-up episodes that include 10 to 30 minutes of pre-show bonus chat. Other reward levels include t-shirts, hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. Just go to patreon.com truthandjustice. You can also help us out by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. Lastly, you can always support us by supporting the companies that sponsor this program. If you have a new case you'd like us to consider for future seasons, you can submit your cases on our website, truthandjusticepod.com. Just click on the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is to engage in our investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com you can like our Facebook page or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page. For all of you tweeters, you can connect with us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. To follow our personal accounts on social media, I can be found at Bob Ruff Truth. Mike can be found at Murb Gaming, M U R R B G A M I N G. Zach can be found at Z to the Q. don't forget that we always have our 24 7 voicemail line open for questions comments and tips on our cases that phone number is 269-224-2833 however you do it stay engaged stay in touch but as for now we're signing off i'm bob ruff i'm zach weaver and i'm mike bussing this has been truth and justice